Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The United States is falling behind other countries in the race to mine deep-sea critical minerals that are essential to make climate-friendly technology. The main reason? We haven't ratified the UN's Law of the Sea, an international treaty that governs the use of ocean resources. Dating back to the Reagan administration, the U.S. hasn't ratified that treaty for a variety of political reasons, but it has been ratified by the European Union and 167 other countries. Without ratifying that treaty, the Biden administration's clean energy goals could be in jeopardy. And America's reliance on other countries may become worse, since deep-sea mining companies have to be based in a country that's party to the agreement. So today, we check in with Politico's Jordan Woolman about why the U.S. is sidelined in the critical minerals push and what that means for the Biden administration's clean energy goals. It's Wednesday, August 3rd. So the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea came into effect in 1982, had a major amendment in 1994, and it basically, just broadly speaking, sets a rules-based system for all things ocean and maritime, meaning navigation, travel, shipping, and in the case of the story we're talking about, seabed mining and just sort of resources within the oceans in general. And this specifically relates to of course, areas beyond national jurisdiction. So, for example, the United States has control and domain over its national federal waters, but anything outside of that is sort of up in the air. And so this treaty really deals with that. And so why has the United States refused to ratify this treaty in the past? You report dating back all the way to the Reagan administration. And do you expect that position of the U.S. to stay like that? Or has the political momentum around it may be different now. I think if you ask folks in the State Department, as I did that very same question, I think they are a little bewildered as to how the United States became such an outlier when it comes to this specific treaty. The concerns and the political contours of this issue have changed over time. The Reagan administration felt like the original treaty didn't give the United States a fair seat at the table when it came to decisions around seabed mining. And it also, the original treaty had interesting stipulations regarding mandatory transfer of of private technology. Those were the chief concerns at the time. But following the amendments in 1994, the political contours have somewhat changed. A treaty requires Senate ratification of at least 60 votes. Republicans, by and large, have been the ones holding it up. Not necessarily uniformly, though. President Bush supported the treaty. Lisa Murkowski, Republican senator from Alaska, supports ratification of the treaty. But enough Republicans have been able to stop ratification, mainly because, in their minds, the International Seabed Authority, which regulates seabed mining and was born out of the Law of the Sea Convention, in their minds, encroaches on U.S. sovereignty. It gives an international organization the power to regulate a commercial activity like seabed mining and then distribute revenue from that activity. Interesting. And the U.S. does have its own rules governing deep sea mining, but it doesn't seem like 
based on your reporting, that's really sent the signals that the industry say it needs to really pursue development. So why are companies hesitant to rely on U.S. rules outside of the international process, given the U.S. hasn't ratified this treaty? That's right. We have a system in place right now where companies could theoretically apply for a permit to either explore for critical minerals or actually mine for critical minerals, both in federal waters through the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management and international waters through the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. But it really does all come back to the Convention on the Law of the Sea, because if a company was to apply through the domestic process to get a permit, Lockheed Martin has already expressly written to NOAA that they would be concerned that they don't have the international recognition to go and actually perform their mining expedition out at sea. And so it also raises the risk of if we now go mining outside of the International Seabed Authority regulations, which only applies to countries that have ratified the treaty, why can't China now go mine the seas, potentially with much less regard for environmental impact, human rights, things like that? So it really sets up sort of a geopolitical conversation as well. And I would also just add that mining companies probably don't feel super incentivized to use the U.S. domestic process. You know, for one, litigation costs are always high in this country with any mining project. Number two, you have West Coast states, Oregon and Washington, that have already banned seabed mining in state waters. California has a similar bill it's considering. So it doesn't really send a really strong signal to industry to want to get involved in seabed mining in the U.S. So how is the Biden administration then, which has an interest in pursuing more critical minerals mining, they've said that, and obviously related to their clean energy goals. So how how are they responding to this likelihood that the U.S. will very likely remain sidelined on seabed mining? And like, what other actions are they doing if they're kind of out of the game there? Yeah, so when it comes to actually scooping up the raw ocean minerals, there's not much they can do. The administration supports ratifying the treaty. So they're on record there. But it's up to the Senate to act. So what next? They're really focusing elsewhere. They have certainly expressed an interest in ramping up terrestrial mine production. And there's an interagency working group going on through the Department of Interior to sort of evaluate potential reforms to the mining law of 1872. And if you think logically here, if you can't get the raw minerals, well, the next step is to get involved in the battery processing and manufacturing stage of the game. And that's sort of where the administration has certainly laid out a vision of shoring up a domestic battery supply chain, making investments in that industry. And that could extend to the seabed mining industry. So there's no direct answer to the inability to mine minerals from the seafloor, but there are sort of ways around or ways to get into the industry later down the supply chain. That's really where the administration is focused. Also, the clean energy industry added 156,000 jobs in 2021 or more than half of all jobs added in the total energy industry. That's what the Clean Energy Research Group Environmental Entrepreneurs said in a new report on Wednesday. Overall, the renewable energy, energy efficiency, storage and grid modernization, and clean fuel sectors employed a combined 3.2 million workers at the end of 2021, up 5% from a year earlier. The report comes as Democrats race to pass a party-line climate, tax, and healthcare bill in the Senate that would mark the largest ever U.S. investment in climate and clean energy. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.